0: Everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, fast walking and slow moving.
1: I got there a few days after the opening, so we had to miss the opening ceremonies. <laughs> so, uh, But I watched them from home which with my mom, which was really special because I used to watch all the Olympics growing up with her. Our body are using all of the muscles. We're engaging all of the muscles that a sprinter, a middle distance runner, and a distance runner are utilizing, but all at the same time. And then our turnover is as quick as it, about a like between a 400 and 800 meter runner. I'm told I walk pretty fast. I know I get really annoyed when I'm in the shopping, you know, the grocery store and like, oh, yeah, I can't. It's a big pet peeve.
0: I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So I don't think I've ever had my preconceived notions about something shattered more than by our first guest. Because whatever you think about race walking, speed walking, it is not, not what I thought it was. It is so much more interesting and so much more physically demanding than I ever would have thought just by watching it on TV. Our first guest is a national champion and Olympian who just got back from Tokyo. This is race walker Robin Stevens. So you're just back from the Olympics. How was it?
1: It was great. Uh, Obviously different from most years, uh, but since it's my first Olympics, I didn't know any different. So I think we're the only event that, could have spectators just because we were outdoor and there's a lot of space. So it was really cool seeing all the locals come out and hearing them cheer. And uh, it was a good experience.
0: When did you arrive? So the opening ceremonies were on a Friday. Like when did you get there?
1: I got there a few days after the opening. So we had to miss the opening ceremonies. (laughs) So, uh, but I watched them from home, which with my mom, which was really special because I used to watch all the Olympics growing up with her so it was kind of cool to see an opening ceremony that I'm supposed to be walking in where the Olympics I made, but with my mom. So I could see her crying and all excited. <laughs> uh, so that was, re- that was like a different type of special.
0: One of the things that kind of jumped out at me, and if Wikipedia and online is correct, that you were a little bit older for most than <laughs> most first time Olympians. Is, is race walking a sport that kind of is conducive to that.
1: Yeah. So race walking, we don't usually hit our peak until late mid thirties to early forties. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Uh, so I, I took a few years off (laughs) from the sport. I retired in 2004, came back in 2000, officially 2016. Um, and what encouraged me to come back was I had learned that one of the Olympians that I had watched I didn't realize she had made her Olympic debut at 42. So when I learned that, that inspired me to come back because I was thinking, oh yeah, it's too late. And Because I was also, a, before I retired, I was a runner and a race walker, nationally ranked mm-hmm. b- in both. So I was in that runner mindset of, oh, okay. Yeah. Like it's, it's obviously too late. And then when I learned what her age was, it encouraged me like, oh, okay. You know, we'll see what it's, We'll see. We'll explore. But in in race walk, it's pretty common. I mean, for Spain, there's Jesus Garcia, who has made every world championships and Olympics since he was a youth. And he was 52, I believe, at the Olympics this year.
0: (laughs) What is it about it that people can continue to do that so much later in life, athletically speaking?
1: Uh, I think there's a couple of things. A lot of people, at least in America, haven't heard of it. (laughs) <laughs> it's not, it's, it's more prevalent in Southern America and Europe and in, in, in all over China and Japan, it's super popular. Uh, but I think it's, it's also cause it's low impact. And, um, so the body can handle a lot more and recover faster. Uh, cause our Olympic distances up until this year was 20 K and 50 K for men. So the 50 K had two options, the 50 and the 20, the 50 is longer than the marathon. And then the women have the 20 K So we have a lot of we're doing a lot of distance and we're probably doing that every other month, Um, sometimes depending if we're really active with the world challenge events, then we're going to be doing that often. Now, you'll see like I've read a lot in in magazines where they're like, oh, you know, I can't believe this marathoner is going to do, you know, two two marathons back to back a month apart. And I think it's because, yeah, they're, they're absorbing so much pounding, more yeah. And, and yeah, on their knees and their joints and everything where it's not unheard of for us to be able to do that just because we can, we're, we're putting our heart rate gets just as high as a runner. What we're doing, it's just as like, we're asking a lot of our body, but because of the low impact, um, we're able to bounce back a lot quicker.
0: So the demand is the same, but the toll is not
1: y- correct. Yeah, that's well put. <laughs> hmm.
0: That's really interesting. So how did you get into race walking?
1: I started in junior high. Uh, I had ran a cross country race in Dixon and had um, uh, beat a little boy that um, in the race that a youth coach. Uh, had wanted to humble. <laughs> and so she came over and, and she was a club coach. And I had only ran for junior high, you know, for the school system. I'd never heard of club track and field. And so she came over and she was just like, hey, you know, I, I run a club team. Um, I'd love for you to join. Uh, if you stick with me, I believe that you have enough talent that you could make an Olympic team and even get into any college that you could ever dream of. And that was enough for me because I'd always wanted to go to college and I'm the youngest in my family. So, I was doing everything to keep, you know, to be that A student, and yeah. I would volunteer for clubs, and I would do everything to cover my bases in case they didn't have enough money left over for me. <laughs> um, though my mom's like, I would have always made sure, but you know, I <laughs> just, in case, just in case, just in case, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when she said that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, you know, uh, I'll join. And since it's a club team, they they participate all those events, you know are going to have all of the events that are in the Olympics. So she would teach all of her athletes every single event that's in the Olympics. So all of us learn throwing, all of us learn race, walk, all of us learn, you know, the only two that she couldn't teach us was hammer throw and pole vault because there was no access to the, the items. Yeah. Oh, and uh, steeple chase, because there was no steeples, but uh, we all learned race, walk and that's how I learned about it. And um, she would, I would do the, the mile, the 800, the four by four and the race walk, but there was so much time between the 800 and the mile and the beginning of the race in of track meets. Cause in youth track, it could take.
0: Yeah. It takes the, forever. The, right. with all the
1: heats yeah. <laughs> that I would get really bored. And so that my muscles wouldn't get, you know, um, lazy for the two mile or get stagnant. She would have me jump in the, the race walk so that it could keep me limber and, you know, flexible oh. for the two mile and not get me too bored.
0: No, like, why are you a good race walker?
1: I think I just picked up on it from all the years of dance that I had done. Uh, I started dance class when I was two. And when she discovered me, um, I was in competitive dance. So I was doing, you know, competing in in, in the area, in the local area. And uh, and I think just with all of that, just years of, of dance, <laughs> I was able to take to it. It was uh, nothing. It didn't feel any different from, you know, like a lot of people are like, Oh, don't you want to run? Or, or, you know, how do you race walk? Like, doesn't it make you want to just break into a run? I'm like, no, it just, it feels like a, a, like an athletic endurance dance. (laughs) So it just feels definitely, I don't get it confused with running.
0: (laughs) It's, it's one of those things that now that you mention it, like there is some swiveling of the hips there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like a former coach of mine, Susan Armenta, she used to say merengue, merengue. If I didn't have enough Hip flexibility to remind me just kind of relax into the the hips.
0: Is it just walking fast? Like if I was in a hurry and I want to walk fast, it's the same way that I would walk fast. Or is there a whole different kind of technique to it?
1: Oh, there's a whole technique to it. Uh, So usually, if we're going to teach youth how to or beginners, we'll say, like, just pretend that you're at the pool and they say, you know, the snow cone place just opened up and everybody's jumping out and they're like, don't run, you know, walk, don't run. And you're trying to hurry over to it. Uh, So that's how you start, you know, walk as fast as you can to get there. But to not get thrown out of a race, um, there's two rules. You have to land with a straight leg um, and then keep it straight until it passes underneath the hip. And then uh, one foot has to be on the ground at all times. And that's how it differentiates from running obviously so you oh, right. can get sometimes confused because when you say that people will start walking like a Frankenstein right? Yeah. Just, and um, but it's th- that's where I like to just incorporate the dance if you're thinking of a merengue um, you land with the straight leg drop that hip let it pass as you're pulling that back you know your other leg through and then you can bend that last one as you're straightening the other one and then that's how you get that that smoother rhythm
0: It seems like a sport that would be easy for somebody to cheat.
1: No. uh, So we have minimum five judges on a course at all times. Uh, Unlike the distance running, we have to be on. So for 20 Ks, it's going to be a one K course. And for the 50 K 35 K can either be a one K or two K course. So uh, that way that there's always a judge that can see us and there's, five to seven judges at all times, they have to have certification, the proper world athletic certification. Um, At least three of them have to be like a level three and, uh, and a world athletic certified. Um, And then it has to be by the So for the one foot off the ground there, it has to be by the judge's eye. And there's like a fourth of a second that the human eye can't see. So if you see, if you slow down videos of professional race walkers, if you like watch the Olympics and you slow it down and you see a side profile profile of us, or if you see pictures, you might see like, Oh, that, they're cheating there. I see them. They're just a little bit off. And right. that's by the judge. So that's the key is like by the judge's eye, because yeah. they're not going to be able to, to see that seconds. Now we're not doing that on purpose. That just happens naturally at the speeds that we're going and and it's just going to go up. So Um, you can, there's ways to get these, it's just like soccer where you can get DQ'd, except for in soccer, you have to be misbehaving (laughs) and, you know, piss off the referee, uh, in race walk, we're not talking necessarily, but, um, we can, you know, the, the judge has two paddles they can give us. The yellow is a warning that is a courtesy. They don't have to give us that. Um, that's just to let us know we're, we're in danger of getting red carded. And if we don't fix it, they're going to red card us. Um, each judge can only give an athlete one red card. And that's how they they keep from over bias. Because, you know, if, if one yeah. country doesn't like another athlete and then three red cards, if they're not using a penalty zone, will DQ the athlete. If they're using the penalty zone, like at the Olympics this year... Some people may have noticed, you know, we had a strong pack of the top six, and then all of a sudden there's this heat, like all this drama at the end of the race where the person who was supposed to be in third, she already had two red cards, and she, but she really wanted that second place, so she pushed it, and she got pit-laned. Um, so the pit lane, they don't always have to use, but they had decided to use that for, and it's going to become more normal, um, for the Olympics. And that's where she's put in a pit penalty box for two minutes. Um, so virtually two minutes gets added to her time. Um, mm. cause she's sitting there in that, that pit box. So she ended up 11th. So she was a favorite to, she's from Brazil. She's actually a friend of mine, um, she was a favorite to metal, and then because she really wanted that silver, uh, you'd have got to appreciate that grit. Um, she just pushed it a little too much and then got pit laned. And then same with the gold medal favorite. She got she had red two red cards going in, got pit laned, and then she ended up third. Um, was supposed or supposed to be second, um, but ended up third. She was the gold medal favorite. And so, like, there there's So those rules make it so it's hard to cheat because there's people watching us all the time. And um, uh, the last hundred meters you can get DQ'd whether or not you have previous red cards. So that's why you're not going to see too many of us like this is one of the things I I loved doing when I was running competitively is I love a strong kick. Um, So I still like to do that with race walk, but I have to be really careful because judges don't like it if you, if you switch, if you significantly change um, your pace and, and because if you change your pace, your technique might change a little bit too. And they don't like that. This is what I like about it because it's a it's such a technical strategy type sport too. You have to have strategy and you can't all, you Sometimes have to sacrifice, even if you have a lot in the tank physically, you have to sacrifice that or sacrifice a a higher place just to stay in the race. Uh, Because it could mean if if you sprint at the end, it could mean that um, that chief judge doesn't like how you look and they'll just throw you out that last hundred meters. Wow. Yeah. So you
0: you could be like technically perfect exactly how you're doing it for the entire time. And then if you're in a tight race at the end and you just speed up a little, he can just go – you're out. Wow. Yeah. So you really got to like maintain your whole. Sp- That's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah you're
1: all, It's all, like I'm doing a constant body scan the entire time. There's no checking out mentally.
0: You know, you're talking about it with these people who are the best in the world and they're still getting red cards during these races. Is it one of those kind of things where people are going to push it and see how much they can push it? Like, you want to be right, say that there's a line, and you want to be right up against that line without crossing it. Right. Because it would seem like if you perfected a technique, then you wouldn't ever be in jeopardy of getting fined for it or getting penalized for it. But then because people are getting penalized for it all the time, they must be like pushing right up against that all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Is that we're, how it works? Yeah. We're, we're pushing. And that's part of our training is just figuring out where we can, um, how much and what that feels like to push that line and know that we're we're technically sound and and most of us at that level we're we are technically sound but you know judges are human and and different judges have their preference on what they like and and what they consider good technique they're you know so you know we might be fine in one country but then another country's uh judges like they interpret the rules a little bit differently it's it's really not that like if you're going those speeds you're you're probably going to get cards because you are going super fast. I mean we're going sub seven. The women are going sub seven fifteen per mile pace. The men are going sub seven minute pace. You know about six fifty. Um, so we're we are going fast. So um, one of the things that we'll push for is how you know it's almost like you've aced it if you can walk. You know, the two cards is almost like a badge of, it's not a badge of honor, but it's like, it's like, you know, you, you know, you're pushing yourself because if you're not getting any cards, maybe, you know, it's almost like, well, are you pushing yourself enough?
0: (laughs) It's that old saying, like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. (laughs) Well, it's not
1: cheating because we're not cheating on purpose. Like the cards are all
0: pushing it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You're bumping up against that edge. Now that's something I'm
1: trying to figure out for myself because I crossed the finish line with so much energy still left in the tank because I'm I'm still trying to figure out what it feels like to push that edge, um, with the energy that I have. So
0: now is, can I ask how, how, um, how tall are you
1: I'm just under five, three.
0: So is that, is that an ideal height? For a race walker, it's like something. Oh, you be you would be the best in the world if you were only five four. Like you're too tall for a race walker. Is there is there a certain body type for it?
1: Uh, not really. I think the shorter tend to do better, just because the taller athletes are gonna stick out more. So if they're particularly bouncy in their step, they're gonna stand out to the judge because they're towering over the shorter. Uh, but if you're technically sound, it's no big deal. So.
0: It's kind um, of like a being smaller is a blend-in advantage as opposed to like a biomechanical advantage. Yeah, plus advantage. we can
1: have a quicker turnover. So, oh,
2: I guess so that I mean, would – Because
1: our fastest walkers in the world are um, – for the men, it's the Japanese. For the women, it's the Chinese. Um, and then um, S- South America has a lot of strong walkers. Uh, Spain has a really strong program. Um, And a lot of, a lot of that is like, we're, we're shorter, you know, like those cultures are shorter in height or like my height. Uh, so, you know, between my height and maybe five, five, four, four, five, five. So, um, for the women, um, so I think it does help. I mean, there are successful tall athletes though, but it's
0: harder. It's like. Well, not this quite the same, but it's like gymnastics where it's definitely beneficial to be a certain size, right? Kind of.
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I am someone who believes that if you have a will and, and you have a passion for, you know, being good at a, a certain discipline, it doesn't matter what you look like. You're going to be, you're going to be able to pull it off.
0: <laughs> Are you heart ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. Do race walkers trash talk each other?
1: Oh probably. Uh more on the men's side, I believe, the the women are more we just focus on what we need to do, so we're either going to be friends or we we're just in our own little we just kind of keep to ourselves on race day. Uh but the men definitely like to have like playful playful banter with each other and
0: Um can you spot a good walker out in public? Like can you see somebody like rushing rushing to catch a bus and be like, "Ooh, they got good form."
1: Oh yeah, totally. Uh I mean that's how a lot of us racewalkers who ended up in the sport got, you know, headhunted as, you know, a coach saw us or someone saw us and thought, oh, you would make a great racewalker. Um I see it all the time when, when we're training out on, you know, on the trails and the bike trails. Uh sometimes kids or other people will try to to try to mimic it or try to, you know, go along with us. And there are times where I'm like, wow, actually that's really good.
0: You should do pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, like you're doing pretty well. Um I had worked with some some other people who uh, were just wanting to to learn it, but uh, probably weren't wasn't like thinking that anything about it like seriously. And then I saw them, like, wow, you know, if you weren't so successful at what you are doing, you know, um, if you weren't such a successful actress, you know, you'd probably be a pretty good race walker. <laughs> but you are making way more money as an actress than what we make. <laughs> so,
0: can can you make a living straight off of race walking?
1: You can a, a very humble living. Um, very uh very humble uh so like the average that we might make is at most not average the most that we might make is 25k so it's really humble (laughs) you couldn't live in silicon valley on it um but uh it would be like really living like a conservative life. like we make it like 25 to maybe 50 K with the bonuses during Olympic year. So like with the, yeah. you know, with that, um, but it's all in t- it's not salary. We don't get salary. So it's all based on winning.
0: What would be your top speed? Like you're going sprint all out. Like how fast can you, how fast can you walk?
1: Uh, we don't, normally race anything faster than a mile and once we hit the elite level it's not often we're going to be doing anything less than the 3k um like two miles uh but there is like once a year there's the melrose games where we'll do a mile and so that's the only thing i can judge off of <laughs> yeah. um the fastest that a male has gone is a 531 and the fastest a woman is gone is 618
0: that's like 10 or 11 miles an hour And if I'm going trail walking or something like that, like I'm hauling ass at three miles an hour. That's incredible. We
1: can go pretty quick. (laughs) I mean, so what's interesting um, for a lot of like, when um, so our body are, are using all of the muscles. We're engaging all of the muscles that a sprinter, a middle distance runner and a distance runner are utilizing, but all at the same time. And then our turnover is as quick as it about a, like between a 400 and 800 meter runner.
0: Wow. So Dang. actually a I lot, of, a lot of sprinters r-
1: race walk really well. A lot of sprinters like take to it quickly.
0: Just because of the turnover ratio. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. I was really thinking that it was going to be like five miles an hour, which would be a 12 minute mile, but it's basically oh, no. double that. <laughs> no. You're talking like 11, 12 miles an hour walking.
1: Yeah. Cause you know, during the 20 K I average about seven fifteen per mile.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's like seven and a half miles an hour. Do you, okay. Next question. Do you generally walk fast everywhere you go?
1: I'm told I do. Uh, <laughs> I never really noticed, but, uh, uh, my, you know, I'm short. So, um, my dad always seemed super tall to me cause he's six one. And so when we would go camping, um, and hiking, we do a lot of camping and hiking growing up. I was always constantly trying to keep up with him because, I talk a lot and I'm trying to you know, tell them my story and then I couldn't yeah. keep up with them. So my best friend, Ashley, she always just likes to she'll laugh about it because people always she's shorter than me. And people are always like, why do you walk so fast? And she's like, well, my best friend is a professional race walker. And I'd always have to try to keep up with her in the hallways in high school. <laughs> so uh, so I think the key is like, if you're around someone taller than you, I think you're just going to naturally be a faster walker everywhere because you're just trying to keep up with the taller walkers. So um, I'm told I walk pretty fast. I know I get really annoyed when I'm in the shopping, you know, the grocery oh, it's store be and awful. like, Oh, yeah, I can't. It's a big pet peeve.
0: My God, that would be awful if you were like walking in a crowd, like a oh, big crowd. I oh, my crowds.
1: God. I can't stand crowds if they can't walk fast. You know, I don't like the the idly, especially the the packs that walk in like groups of five or oh, three. Oh, yeah. And then they're all on their phones and they're just walking super slow. And it's like, can you walk single file or learn how to walk faster?
0: <laughs> um, we asked the same question to both a decathlete and some ping pong Olympians that we had on. Where do you feel like racewalking ranks in the Olympic hierarchy of sports? Like in my mind, you're going to have hundred meter sprint. Like that's, that's the Olympic sport, right? That is the thing. And then at the bottom, you're going to have archery or something,
1: right? Like, where
0: <laughs> do you feel like?
1: Uh, so you're, you're talking about all the events. not Where just do you
0: sports. think that like racewalking, but in terms of like the coolness factor, like if this was Olympic high school, where do the race walkers rank
1: in my mind or where do they actually rank? Cause
0: let's, it let's, looks pretty let's, low
1: let's, in, um, in most people, unless, unless you're from Japan or from Spain or from parts of, you know, South America or from Russia, you know, uh, race walking is, um, ranked pretty low, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's because, uh, a lot of people, most people don't understand what's going on. And once you understand what's going on, it's really fascinating and it's really interesting. And and that's why I've, I've gained a, a new appreciation for baseball because I used to think baseball was super boring. And I'm like, how can people think race walks boring when people watch like four hours of this, just people standing around on a field. Um, I also think that with race walk, uh, At the elite level, um, I mean, since we're using all the muscles of like a a sprinter, middle distance and distance and distance runner, um, our build is going to be similar to a dancer or, uh, um, you know, I used to get mistaken for a gymnast when I was younger. Um, and I just think that like the musculature is just really aesthetically beautiful. And when you see, when you see it done, right, it's, it's gorgeous. Just seeing what the body, um, can do when it's finally trained.
0: So that's pretty much all the questions that I have. What's kind of coming up next for you? Uh,
1: so next we have a, possibly depends on the Delta variant, like what what happens with that. Uh, we have a 10 K in, um, Quetzalcoatl in Mexico. And uh, we were supposed to do one in Monterey that got canceled because of the COVID. And then uh, after that, in uh, November, we have the Men's National 35K because the women already had ours in February or January. Uh, February. Uh, normally it's in January, we had to postpone it to February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we have the Men's 35K that Nick's getting used to or getting ready for. Um, and at that race, they'll either have a, another 35 K just to open one for the women to qualify for worlds, um, or a 20 K just for, for us to do, um, for points, because now everything's about either the super a standard or qualifying for by ranking. Um, so you have to sort of hit a certain time for quality ranking position, um, in the world. So, so that'll be in November that we're planning for the second week of November in San Diego area. Uh, and then January will be the men's and women's 35k nationals for 2022. Cool. Um, so that's Ooh, what's next. <laughs>
0: I miss this one. Who is the Michael Jordan of race walking?
1: Michael Jordan of race walk?
0: Like who's I the don't know. who? Who's the best? The best ever.
1: In my eyes, it's going to be Jesus Garcia of Spain because. Like he is the true goat of race walk because in my eyes, because I mean, some people would argue that it's Jefferson Perez. Some people might argue that, um, you know, it, it's somebody more current, but I think, Oh, well, uh, Jesus Garcia is current. I mean, he was at the Olympics at 52. He's made every Olympic team and every world's team. He's been in the top. Like, I think his first one was in 1990. It was a couple of years after Nick was born. Um, 1990 Oh no, I think it was 1991 or whatever. But I mean, he's been doing that ever since. And he's always in the top 30, like now, cause he's in the top 30 now, but back then it was like the top eight.
0: I want to thank Robin so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay. Now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw. Are you a fast walker?
2: Uh, people, I, I believe I am, yes. But it's been debated whether I am or I am not. I'm more what of do a you just mean? a no-nonsense.
0: What, deba- what do you mean debated? You either are or you aren't.
2: Because sometimes – Like how
0: is there a debate about it?
2: Well, Who's arguing?
0: Are you arguing that you are a fast walker or are you arguing that you are not a fast walker? Because those are two very different things. One, like you're trying to humble brag like, no, I am fast. I am fast. (laughs) And everybody else is like, no, you're not, dude. You're slow. So what are you doing? Are you the guy arguing for you to be the fast walker or are you arguing against it?
2: I'm usually the one arguing against it.
0: Oh, so you're trying to tell people you're not a fast walker. What's the shame about being a fast walker then? So,
2: I mean, uh, it's basically really one person that tells me that. And it's my wife who says I walk too fast. Uh, I don't have that complaint when I'm with my friends or just out by myself. Um, but, you know, I looking back on it, I probably shouldn't just, you know, steer right ahead and leave her with the kids and the baggage and then expect her to keep up with me. That's probably not probably not going to see happen.
0: now. See, now, unless I'm holding my wife's hand, I find it virtually impossible to walk the same speed as her.
2: See, I don't I don't even like to hold hands with my wife.
0: <laughs> How come? You don't like – you got sweaty hands? She got sweaty hands? What's the deal?
2: I'm just not a big uh, – what's it called? PDA? I'm not a big PDA guy.
0: I've seen you hold hands. Honestly, it was weird. I've seen John and his wife hold hands one time, and <laughs> – It's kind of awkward. I was like,
2: "Uh, yeah, I mean, he's too,
0: he's too forward, right? Like his whole body seems to be too (laughs) forward when he's holding hands. It's awkward. It's like their hands are out in front of them six to eight inches farther than they should be. And it doesn't look right.
2: (laughs) It it doesn't at at all, actually. So,
0: okay. Now, I mean, I don't really like holding hands to my wife either, to be honest with you.
2: I'm not like, (sighs) it's just, it's it's too much. I I don't like kissing in public. I don't like, you know, I don't like, I don't like any of that affectionate stuff in public.
0: All right, if you're kissing in public, are you going cheek? You going lips?
2: I mean, It depends. I mean, you know, if I'm going if I'm going in for it, I mean, I'm going all in. I'm not going for just some cheek bullshit. I'm going you're going tongue t- in everything.
0: <laughs> you going tongue out like <laughs> as you're going in like ah.
2: God, that's terrible just to think about.
0: God, when's the last time you saw, like, look, over once somebody passes the age of 30, nobody wants to see you make out with somebody. <laughs> nobody. Um, right? Like, you don't want to see just two 45-year-olds no. just necking.
2: No, I don't Going know. hot and heavy. <laughs> What's the
0: point? I feel like once you've had sex more than 75 times, whether that's with different people or with the same person, what is the point of kissing someone at all? <laughs> what is the point?
2: Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, but unfortunately, we're married. And, you know, I feel like I feel like it's I'm about to say something that I'm going to regret. I feel like the affection thing is more of a woman uh, uh basis. You know, they, they throw it on us a lot more. I mean, We're dudes, right? I mean, just have sex. We don't need to kiss. We don't need to hug. We don't need to, you know, I need some hugging. Oh, I like a little hug. Oh, well, (laughs) do you? Are you a hugger? I like a good hug. What's wrong with a good hug? No, I don't. I mean, I I guess I just not a big fan of people touching me. So
0: I would actually say I'm not a big fan of people touching me either.
2: I mean, I've never had a massage because I just don't want just don't want them touching me. And I've always had this fear that. I could even call ahead and book, like, you know, a woman, right? And I'm still going to get, like, me. Like, hey, John, how are you? Come here. I'm going to give you a massage. And that's fine if that's what you're into. But that's not what I would want.
0: So, wait, are you not getting the massage because you're afraid of a man touching you? Or are you afraid of anybody
2: touching you? I, I, it's, it's more, I'm I'm just not, it's, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I just... I I would not prefer a man getting me to the ultimate relaxation point.
0: Are you what kind of massage are you talking about? You're talking about a legal massage. Are you talking about you're paying twenty five dollars <laughs> and going into the old rub and tug.
2: No, one hundred percent legal.
0: One hundred percent legal. Yeah, okay, no Just, rub and tug. How awkward would that be if you went to a but you knew it was a rub and tug and this you got to sign the guy and you're like.
2: I mean, listen. <laughs> okay, I'm that's... not. I'm not trying to offend if that anyone out there listening. If that's your deal, awesome. But I, for me, I would be mortified.
0: I would wonder for people who have been to a rub and tug, is it simply the act of the rub and tug or is it, are they want the person? I mean, obviously it would be helpful if the person is your type and more attractive, but is that really what you're looking for? Or are you just looking for anybody who's going to do it? <laughs>
2: do- Do you think they have rub and tug specialists like, oh, Bobby in room three, he's going to need iron hands?
0: No, I'm sure that there's I'm sure that there's you. Look, it's just like anything else. Once you get into it, there's levels to it. And there's (laughs) probably somebody I can ask. I know a guy who's been arrested at a rub and tug (laughs) multiple, multiple times. Now now he's on a
2: list forever. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Mm. He is. He is actually
2: on a list, I believe.
0: Yeah, okay, all right, well, all that's right. let's do your thing.
2: All right, well, uh, let's get some shout-outs here. I'm going to start, I, I'm i going to proclaim this right now, that Hans might be one of the coolest names that I, that I can think of. Like, I, 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 yeah, right what a badass name, Hans.
0: I've never actually met somebody. I'm partial to the name Rust. Like Rust is like all right, that's probably gonna be a cool guy. Like he's not gonna be a douchebag in either way, like a salesperson douchebag, or like a I live in the woods all day douchebag, but a rust is probably gonna be like, all right, that's probably gonna be a sweet dude.
2: Well, I, I say that because Hans de Decker.
0: Marty. Marty is also always gonna be a pretty cool
2: guy. Yeah, one of one of my good friends is Marty. He's a cool guy.
0: Yeah, Marty's always pretty reliable
2: you know who aren't cool nick and johns yeah not really
0: nick's a little bit douchey i would say (laughs) we err on the side We're i don't think that we're treading i don't think that we're in the deep end yet but we're certainly treading we're on the line where it starts to go downhill like we've got to watch it
2: also your hair is looking great Steph. why
0: i don't know what you look like a fucking porcupine (laughs) Whatever. I don't even I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Neither do you obviously.
2: Listen, it's my birthday Friday. I'm getting my haircut on Thursday. Leave me alone. Um all right. So we'll start with Hans de Decker. Appreciate you. Uh Braden Harbin, Matt Weaver, Pedro Salazar, uh, Sonny Paul, Heather Franco, Vicky Sananawane, Robin Pittman. T.J. Spears, and we'll end on uh, – I didn't realize this till I just read it for the second time, but uh, Ben Dover. I'm guessing – How do you, ben, you spell it? It's Ben Dover, but I'm guessing Ben Dover is actually Ben Dover.
0: How does, how, does, how does that allowed, actually, at this point? You would think that some social media company has figured that out. They're like, hey, we shouldn't have – we shouldn't have that name like that shouldn't, you know, like vanity license plates like they have probably seen just about everything you can try to get away with.
2: Yeah, I would think so. But I mean, it's not bad. I mean, maybe that's the per. I thought it was the person's name. Ben Dover.
0: I once had a buddy who tried to get a vanity license plate that wanted to be he was like, I like I'm I'm always riding people's ass when I'm driving. So he wanted to be ass rider <laughs> and he never could understand why he was rejected. He was like, why would they reject ass rider?
2: Well. Well. <laughs> he's not in prison now, wins. is he? He's not the to no. Tug guy, is he? No, he is the to Tug guy
0: ironically, oh. yes.
2: Well, he sounds like he has a lot going for him. Anyways, he's <laughs> got a lot
0: going on. It's okay. Got a bright future that one.
2: I got a couple of stumpers for you today. Okay. Would you rather have two permanent lazy eyes or always get nosebleeds during the most inopportune times?
0: Oh, nosebleeds. No, like, look, anybody who has a lazy eye, know, like that's just something that you immediately notice, right? Like, oh, yeah, you always immediately notice that.
2: A hundred percent.
0: Nosebleeds not a big deal. Like, wait a minute, I always get a nosebleed.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm right. I actually, I, I used to get those all the time because I have a.
0: I've never had one.
2: I have a. I've uh, never had a nosebleed. I have a, a blood disorder that actually causes causes me to to bleed not like a normal person uh so i used to get bloody i probably got bloody noses gravy
0: are you bleeding gravy
2: (laughs) no oil oil and vinegar maybe some gravy mayonnaise my hair looks like it's bleeding gravy but uh yeah you have a blood disorder i do it's called von willebrand's it's uh it's a a lesser version of hemophilia
0: so you're afraid of cats
2: I don't know what that means, but no. I don't know. No. Wait a
0: minute. What's a hemophilia? You'll bleed to death?
2: Hemophilia is just about the worst kind of blood disorder you can have in terms of if there's someone who who has an extreme version of it, if they... Say they're weed whacking and they cut their leg like you always do. They could bleed out and bleed to death if it's in the right spot. Wow. So.
0: I mean, you really have to like just be padded, go about your whole life. (laughs) That's crazy. So wait, will you bleed out or you just bleed a lot?
2: I'll just bleed a lot. I, You know, like I said, Von Willebrands is like the stepchild to hemophilia. So.
0: God, you can't even get the good one, can you? Can't do any, can't <laughs> do anything thankful. right.
2: <laughs> but it makes sense. Like back when I was, uh, you know, playing high school football, and my nose would bleed all the time, and the coach would just say, "Hey, we're gonna get you some tampons and stick them up there." And next thing I know, you know, I have a clot after an hour. But man, you're not supposed to clot. It's not supposed to take an hour. But
0: anyways. no, huh? Also, prime. Probably- not the best medical advice to put tampons up your nose for a nosebleed <laughs> while playing football. That's not going to get you laughed at, and but also not going to get you respected by your teammates.
2: Well, you know, well, whatever. Uh, all right. The second question: uh, Would you rather age just from the neck up, or only from the neck down? Oh
0: God! Oh man! Age only from the neck up or from the neck down? (laughs) It's a toughie. Boy, you know what? I would honestly say that I would. Okay, 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 okay. I would rather only age from the neck up because you could get around pretty much anything else, right? Like your face really doesn't start to look like old, old Mm -hmm. until you're in your 70s. So you would potentially like, you could go to the beach and you would have a great, I mean, your life would be so much better if you aged <laughs> only from the neck down. Because think about it from just a physical perspective, that would be way better. You might like, think, and also think about how old, how much weird it would be is let's say like you get somebody in the throw is a passion, right? And you're taking the, and the shirt's coming off and they're like, holy crap. You look incredible, and think of how weirded out they would be if you aged only from the neck up. And somebody saw a, or wait, if you aged only, yeah, and think about how weirded out somebody would be if they saw a twenty-five-year-old face and a seventy-year-old body.
2: Yeah, that'd be. I mean, I I, I agree with you. I, I think having, you know, aging from the the neck up would be the way to go. Plus, I mean, if you could keep, you know, as a man. Oh, yeah. If you could keep certain areas looking (laughs) youthful. Yeah, the thighs. (laughs) Exactly. Okay.
0: Nobody has ever, like, looked at a man's penis. Like, looked at it. Not really. I doubt women really look. Women probably take, like, a quick glance, like, okay, there it is. (laughs) But I wouldn't think that women are really, like, inspecting that thing. Because if they're inspecting that thing, that's a weird thing to be like really giving it the once over unless you think that unless she thinks you're cheating on her and she wants to like check your dick. That's that's not a kind of thing that you want. That's like that's like really looking into. Like the back of a kitchen, you don't want to know,
2: I mean, you don't, don't want to know. I would argue that both uh, female and male genitalia are not if you really yeah. look at them. They're, they're not like very desirable to look at.
0: No, they both kind of look like alien. They look like alien creatures that like (laughs) somebody took, like somebody took this off an alien and just put it on a human body. Yeah. Like that's the best we can do.
2: That's (laughs) yeah, that's it. And that's yeah. Hmm.
0: But that shows you how much that that shows you how much it doesn't matter what it looks like. Like we're still going to do it. Doesn't matter what it looks like. I mean, still going to want that thing.
2: No matter what sexual orientation you are, isn't that why we're here? We're here to, you know, for procreate, pleasure, and procreate, and get drunk and regret things. All right, um, right,
0: just like your parents do.
2: Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> that Slid you. that
0: one in there. <laughs> hey, man, new episode, new month. What's the candle of the month?
2: All right, so this is actually probably the most boring month for candles, because you know, is it? Yeah, because you would think September is going to be all fally oh, yeah. and yeah. And uh, so I'm going to give I'm going to give a shout out to a candle that I got. I haven't I haven't tried it yet, but um, pumpkin spice pumpkin spice candle.
0: Don't come with that boring stuff with the candle of the month. You're going to uh, recommend pan- what what vanilla ice cream next time? Hold Have on. you tried
2: this? Hold, hold, for somebody who's not a candle Get connoisseur that. like you are.
0: Right, because I want some inside info. I want some expert if, co- uh, expert recommendations. Not hey, have you tried chocolate?
2: It's tough because the flowers they're they're not necessarily blooming right now. So I mean, that's not that's not exactly what you want to go with. But it's not fall yet in most parts of the country. So you mm. know, I'm okay with a gimmick camel ca- <laughs> candle this month. One of the things I wanted to bring bring up to you was about uh, the the Paul brother. That was, he was boxing last night, and his trunks actually had an LED. Uh, they were LED, and they would flash things as he was boxing. Now, I think that's a complete douche move, and that's me not being biased because I really don't care about the Paul Brothers one way or the other. But uh, is that a ballsy move if you're in the ring boxing, or is that just, it doesn't matter?
0: I don't think it matters at all. I don't think that anybody is looking at any of these kind of sports spectacle events for the pure science of boxing. People want to see Logan Paul or whatever the other guy's name is get punched in the face. That's the (laughs) only reason that people are looking for this. Nobody cares if he can box or not in any way. I don't care if he starts throwing kicks. I don't care what happens. Why even box? Why not just let him out there and just go at it and see who wins?
2: I I, I guess my other question is with this is... So then, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, it, it, it's not, not real all. boxing it, to you.
0: Not a, not in any way, shape, or form.
2: Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I care less. Okay, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of there with you, but I'm I, I can't really speak for anyone in the boxing community because, I mean, is Floyd Mayweather still around? I have no idea.
0: The other the other question that I would ask is, do you think that these fights are all rigged? Because I think that they are.
2: Yeah, I, I would make I would make a point uh, that they're probably rigged, and I think it all started. Well, I think they've been rigged, but I think it became mainstream when Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather, and uh, you know. They went whatever.
0: that one, I don't think that that one was probably rigged because I think that you had two people, and even though Conor McGregor was not a professional boxer, like, he obviously had some skill in that regard, right? From an athletic standpoint, he had good reflexes and probably had fast hands. Like, you're comparing two people who are elite athletes at their level. But now, I mean, maybe this guy wrestled in the past, one of these Paul brothers or whatever, but what are the chances that they are legitimately elite-level athletes? That even – have a chance of competing in that way because we need him a lot. But let's say you take LeBron James out of the NBA and you're like, "Hey, let's have him box somebody." Mm-hmm. I bet he kicked the shit out of people because he's just more athletic. Like that's why he's fighting against other people who are extremely athletic—not just know what they're doing, but extremely athletic. And I just don't see how that's not rigged. How this guy, like, look, if I wanted to, I'm beat the crap out of this guy anytime.
2: Well, that's that's he was he was boxing a, a former welterweight champion last night, and you know it, it went the distance, and it's just like I mean, come on, man! I mean, I don't know.
0: It's getting a little ridiculous. Like, what are the chances that he is actually? I'm a big believer. The simplest answer is always the right answer. Either the fights are rigged and they're purposely kind of going on like this, or he's legitimately just also happens to be an elite level boxer.
2: But but no way in any form is there any validity to to what he's what he's doing. I mean, put him in there with one of the top fighters, and you know, you would think he would get knocked out. But not if someone's coming to him and saying you're going to make money. I mean, I don't know. Money's real though. It's uh, it is real, and I don't know if you've seen, but those guys's uh, quality of life sure does go down after they're done boxing.
0: Yeah, it does. <laughs> it doesn't seem to work out. You better get paid a lot.
2: Which that's is that's,
0: that's that's one of the that's an excellent example of a sport that like, oh, what if you were really good at it, but you don't really want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm really good at this, but I'm going to try to get out of this as quickly as I possibly can.
2: Which that leads into my second topic, which is there oh. was a there was a mom who fought off a cougar who was coming after her five year old has said, but I, I want to know at what point would you as that parent just say, fuck this. I'm trying to get out of here or like, it's just over. Like, what is the animal that you would see and just go, you know what? We're just going to turn around and hope this thing doesn't kill us. Like, is it a bear? I mean, is it, would it be a cougar?
0: What like, do you mean? Like, like turn around, like I'm going to just gonna leave my child there to die.
2: No, no. Like, like you're just like, well, we're in its path. We might as well just brace for the worst.
0: Cause I like well, coug- any animal. I feel that way about a porcupine coming down the road.
2: Oh, I mean, um, I,
0: I guess I kind of don't understand your question. Like, am I like going to give up like there's no chance and we should just lay here and like, die?
2: Like, 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 let me put it this way. Like a cougar, I feel sure I'm, I'm going to try to punch that thing in the face. Uh, a, a grizzly bear, I see that thing coming at me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to outrun it. I'm just going to try to, I guess, stand there maybe. Hopefully it goes around me. <laughs>
0: I guess if I was to answer this in the terms of, like, what animal am I pretty sure I'm not going to survive once it gets past, I'm going to say anything over a 60-pound dog. Okay. A 60-pound dog, if it wants to, is going to fuck you up. Unless you kind of have a plan and get lucky. Otherwise, that animal is taking you apart.
2: I mean, you said earlier that a porcupine would would fuck you up.
0: Oh, yeah. Any animal. (laughs) You got to tell me you don't see a one-pound bird flying at you. You don't get a little scared? Any animal, any animal, I'm gonna be have the exact the no. same reaction. I have the same reaction to a ten pound house cat as I do to an elephant. Like, all right, let's just try to survive this. <laughs> Cause that thing is faster than you and is meaner than you and all of those you just better hope that you can outsmart it.
2: See, I don't I don't necessarily agree with you on that, but I get what you're saying. I mean I I feel like if I'm going up against a one pound bird, I'm gonna win.
0: Oh, what if it gets you in the eyes, dude?
2: Well, then I'm fucked, but it has to get me in the eyes. Come get right, some, and little how bird. Are you
0: gonna? and how are you going to catch it? You got those reflexes? You think you've got better reflexes than a bird flying at you? Because you I, don't.
2: If, if, if I see it coming at me, you better watch out, little bird, because I, I'm, I'm I taking your wing off. I
0: have been in a situation in which I was walking past a bird's nest and the mother bird had baby birds, and the bird kept dive bombing me. And I was trying to walk away, and I had a golf club because I was on a golf course. And I tried to hit that bird with the golf club, and got absolutely nowhere fucking close to it.
2: Yeah, that would that would be pretty brutal.
0: That I'm would... saying any, I'm I'm saying there's not many animals that could not take you out if they wanted to
2: yeah listen i'm just i'm distracted right now because is there a light on behind you is there someone else in the house with you
0: yeah my son's in there he comes in and out dude he's going oh. to the bathroom. leave him alone
2: <laughs> i just dude, I there's do a light on i want to make sure that this wasn't it for you
0: yeah any kind of animal really any kind of wild animal i'm pretty sure like i'm assuming that i'm going to lose that fight with any kind of wild animal
2: Okay, I mean, I, I guess I have a little more confidence that I, I would be able to at least stand up to some things. I mean...
0: This is also the person, let's bring this back up, that John Shaw thinks he can outrun a buffalo, which a buffalo runs at 40 miles an hour, and he obviously cannot.
2: Well, but if the parameters were starting dead stop in a 40-yard dash. I'm pretty sure I would no, stand a chance.
0: Not a chance at all. No chance whatsoever.
2: Well, listen, if we ever get to that point to where we can get a buffalo... That's the first thing we're going to do.
0: Right. And it's going to destroy you. (laughs) It's going to destroy you. There's no no
2: chance. No, no
0: chance. You can
2: outrun a Buffalo. No, no. Okay. Are you, are you ready for our top five? (laughs) Speaking of things that go fast. Yes. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So our top five is top five methods of transportation. What's your number five?
2: Uh, So I went with a bike. Okay. Because to me, it's, it's great for getting around locally but in terms of its you know of its actual worth you know it, it's 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 not up there for me in terms of getting somewhere quick or 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 you know then you got a pedal i mean it's it's just too much exertion
0: physically. it's convenient in the sense that you can get on it and go right away and you generally can usually maneuver it into some sort of parking right but you got to bring a bike lock you got to put in effort that's why it's not for me it's not even on my top 5 I remember, wouldn't even put it in my top ten, honestly.
2: Remember that time you you we were we were like riding the bikes a couple of miles away yeah. to a bar, and you gave me one with a flat tire, and then you laughed at me the entire time.
0: Well, it was downhill number one, so you should have been able to just coast the whole way.
2: I feel like it. First off, I think it's very hard to ride a bike with a flat tire, no matter what. Age.
0: Flatish. Right. It was flatish at best. Yeah.
2: Well, I was fattish on a flattish bike, and it didn't work out so well.
0: Yeah, you were definitely scraping the rims on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number five is a monorail.
2: Okay. Uh, I don't have it on there, but I have, I have something like it, but I don't have a monorail.
0: Monorail is pretty fantastic, man. You just get in, you go, you don't have to worry about timing that much, right? It's what, like, what's going to, what's going to interrupt the monorail schedule? 1215 is 1215, man. You don't have to wait <laughs> on traffic.
2: Yeah. My, my number three is, is something like it. So we'll, I will reserve judgment and comment until then.
0: Okay. Uh, my number four. four is walking. I have walking much higher. I don't know. I mean, actually, I can understand why you would have walking a little bit lower than that.
2: (laughs) No, I just, I mean, if you think about how much you actually walk uh, versus how much time you spend in a car, it's, it's pretty comparable for most people.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. The only reason that I'm snobbish about walking is I live in an area of a city that is in and of itself much more walkable. I rarely drive my car.
2: Because you live in Seattle, man. Tell you what.
0: I live in Seattle. Seattle, for people who haven't been to it, is kind of like a dense urban city.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You can you can literally kind of have everything that you're going to need around you within a five-minute walk. So people don't – a lot of people – It's it's one of those cities where you can legitimately not have a car and not be pretentious about it and get away with it. You can be in Seattle and hear someone say, I don't have a car, and not go, oh, it's one of those people.
2: Yeah, right. I, it's, I, yeah,
0: it's not like living in Columbus, Ohio. Like I don't have a car. I use like, oh God, you're one of those
2: people. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
0: Speaking, that's kind of segues. My number four is actually, and I would, I would laugh someone out of the room if they said this in any other city besides some cities. But I would say a public transportation, a bus, a public bus.
2: I mean, I uh, having grown up in, in an urban city, buses are everywhere. They're very important. And uh, yeah, I, I, I dig that. It's not, I didn't put bus on mine, but for sure, honorable mention for me.
0: It de- It definitely depends on where you live. In some cities taking a bus could be like, oh, okay, that's pretty reliable. And in some cities like, oh, what?
2: <laughs> my, uh, my number three, and uh, I'm probably going to regret this, but I have a bullet train.
0: When have you ever been on a bullet train?
2: I haven't, but I feel like it, it meets all my criteria for for being you know, in in, in the top five. It's fast. Yeah, it's um, going to be pretty good. I mean, it, it's fast. It, it doesn't seem like you never hear about any accidents or anything. It seems pretty safe.
0: Honestly, dude, now that I'm really thinking about it, I think you've made a mistake. I think that should be number one. <laughs> if you well, think about it, right, like reliable, fast, easy bullet train could be the best form of
2: transportation i think my number one is i think my number one is should be the the universal number one but we'll see what's your number three motorcycle okay yeah i don't i don't know i don't have any any other thing like not even on my honorable mention i think those things are are death traps and be pissed off at me everybody it's all right
0: well so i own a motorcycle and i would number one agree with john they are kind of death traps like right you have to be really careful but your ability to kind of just be free on a motorcycle like it's a very relaxing experience if you can do it in the right place and not have to worry about getting killed it's it's relaxing enough that the downsides of instant death (laughs) aren't enough to keep me from putting it at number three on my top five list
2: the black bat baby
0: the black bat meme still running 2006 still, still going strong
2: still running uh my number 2 it's the boring one but you have to put it on here and it's, it's just the car
0: i don't have the car on my top 5 at all
2: okay i mean i feel like you have like that's it's the all star man that's you know that's that's probably the greatest you know innovation in a long time
0: yeah it definitely transforms society i wouldn't i just don't particularly like driving in a car i don't like any trip between one and 25 minutes
2: <laughs> that's so random but okay
0: well once you get going man right like i don't mind a long drive but 20 minutes here 20 minutes there that should just eat at you
2: yeah i mean listen that's a commute for most of us well, there and back true. i hate the commute
0: uh my number two is walking
2: okay i'm one I, i'm explanatory. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really interested to hear what your number one is because my number one is flying. Oh,
0: on like, oh man, I don't even have that in honorable mention. To me, that's a terrible experience.
2: Oh man, see, I, I mean, I, I haven't taken a, a terrible amount of flights in my life. I mean, probably fifty or less, I would think, without counting. But I, I can't remember if, other than it being delayed. In which I've gotten deals on things, so it kind of turned out in the better for me. Like I love flying. I th- I think yeah. you know I think it's it's great. It's fast. Uh, yeah. I mean i I think the airplane is is a fantastic invention.
0: I like the idea. I would love flying if I could ever fl- like have a private plane, which would be amazing. But come like flying with people at an airport, I hate everything about that. I hate getting to the airport. I hate getting through security. I hate getting on the airplane. I hate being on the airplane. I hate waiting to get off the airplane. I hate waiting for baggage claim. I hate getting out of the airport. I hate everything about it.
2: But I mean, but. uh, Because,
0: uh, because, uh, because every single one of those experiences is worse than it has to be. That's why I hate it.
2: Well, I mean, I, 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 I don't disagree with you, but there aren't very many methods of transportation where you can fly from, I I mean, wherever, Miami to to New York City and be there in two hours. Boats aren't doing that. Cars aren't doing that. We don't have bullet trains in this country, so we can't really say that.
0: Yeah, we got to get a bullet train going, man. That'd be fantastic. That's the only thing, the only redeeming quality to me about flying is the fact that you can get there quickly. Otherwise... Otherwise, it would be last in my mind. If you traveled wow, flying okay. at the same speed as you did in a car, it would be last of all the modes. I would rather fucking rollerblade. That's how I feel <laughs> wow, about
2: you it. Are, you are. Well, what's your number one then? I'm really interested.
0: <sighs> a ferry. Yeah. That's the appropriate reaction until you think about this. A ferry, hmm. Right. You drive yeah, your please, car on the ferry. All right. Here, here. let me go ahead and sell it to you. So imagine that you're trying to travel with children, two and a five-year-old. They're rambunctious. They're bags, as all two and five-year-old children are. But you can just walk on to this magical piece of transportation, basically get a boat trip, and then arrive at your destination without having to do anything. It's on time. There is a cafeteria there. <laughs> They've got wi-fi and internet that is there you can sit down you can walk around i saw the whale one time you get to see the water you can see the scenery it's fantastic it's the vacation of travel
2: i mean i i, I don't want any boats I, I i'm not a big boater not a big boating fan so i'm but uh, this
0: also this boat is so big like nothing's really going to happen to this thing
2: I mean, like a cruise ship, but to me, a cruise ship isn't like a method of transportation that I am using just to use. So,
0: the ferry boat is the vacation of transportation, of necessary transportation. What's in your What's in your uh, honorable mention?
2: Uh, you know, I, I the 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 only one that I put on there was the subway. That was it, <laughs> subway train.
0: I bet the subway is a lot different in New York, though. Like everybody, when you go visit a city, like I visited Washington D.C., and you are to run the subway, it's gonna be cool. I bet it kind of I bet it's a little bit different when you're in New York and like crammed in there with thousands of people I'm but it does seem like a great transportation that's your only one in your honorable mention
2: I mean th- I mean that's pretty much it I mean I once again I I was trying to be practical you know like I, I could have put a skateboarding or something like that but I that's not practical to me
0: I mean it is faster than walking the other thing I have is an electric scooter
2: yeah I'm not Me on electric scooter doesn't look natural, so I stay away.
0: No, (laughs) no, it's too, the, the scooter's too skinny and it creates a visual (laughs) perception that is not kind for you.
2: No, not at all. Leave it at that. Paul Blart mall cop. Here I am. Oh
0: God. Yeah. I don't really have anything, anything else that I would actually like to take. I go in a blimp and check out a blimp. I think a hot air balloon is probably the stupidest form of transportation ever in ever invented. I mean, just think about that idea. Let's go up there in a wooden basket and a balloon and heat this fucking thing with fire.
2: <laughs> yeah. It sounds ridiculous. Does not sound smart, but no, sounds like something we would do.
0: It has to be the worst idea of all time. <laughs> oh, okay. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of profoundly pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave a review, a like, a share, Download the episode. We really appreciate it. It really does help us out. And let us know, what are your favorite modes of transportation? I better hear some rollerblades, man. If you've never been on a ferry, ooh, I'm telling you, man, you're missing out on a fantastic time. I would take the ferry just for no other reason than just to take it.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.